0: beautiful Real Food Mamas. Welcome to episode 46 of the Real Food Mamas podcast. My name is Aglay Jacob. I'm a real food registered dietitian and mom, and I'm also the author of the book and cookbook, Digestive Health with Real Food. I'm passionate about digestion, real food, yoga, trees, and chocolate, and I love working with like-minded people. So if it's you, you can find more about my nutrition and health coaching programs at radicatanutrition.com. That's R-A-D-I-C-A-T-A nutrition.com and while you're there make sure to check out my free bloat free forever online course at the same time it includes a free seven-day low fun map and gluten-free meal plan with recipes uh, to help you get rid of the bloat improve your digestive health and just feel better in your skin so go to radicata slash bff for bloat free forever to find it My co-host Stephanie Grenke is not here today, but I just want to tell you a little bit more about her. Stephanie is a registered dietitian and mom, as well as an expert at helping women balance their hormones naturally. And she's passionate about everything related to natural fertility, pregnancy, the postpartum period, and babies. You can find more about her and her services at rockyourhormones.com. And check out her program, Healthy Mama, Happy Baby, which is a virtual pregnancy handbook she created with the co-creator of Whole30, Melissa Hartwig. Okay, so before we get started with uh, today's episode, uh, which is a really, really great interview I recorded with Perjad Desh- Deshpande on high-risk pregnancies. And I just want to say that if you haven't dealt with a high-risk pregnancy, if you're not going through one or don't expect one, I I would still really recommend that you listen to the podcast, this episode, I mean, because there's so much good information that you might be able to share with people around you going through a high-risk pregnancy, uh, and also a lot of really good nugget of information that you can apply to your life, whether you're pregnant or not, and whether your pregnancy is, is smooth and easy or more complicated. So keep listening. Uh, and uh, yeah, just before we get into that, a few updates from me. So I'm recording this. It's, it's fall and it's that time of the year where, uh, there's an abundance of vegetables at the farmers market and my local farmers. So I've been doing a lot of freezing. I don't know if that's something that some of you have tried before. It's the first year where I feel like I can really do that, where I'm staying at one place and I just got a a used freezer. I think it's seven cubic feet and, uh, I I froze so many things. I've I've never really tried frying freezing uh a lot of vegetables before, but I have. Uh, I I froze uh, roasted beets. I fro I froze uh, green beans that I blanched first. I froze whole tomatoes just in a bag like that. I froze a lot of kale and the kale I I froze it. Um, I I chopped it and froze it into bags. Some of it I also uh pureed into. Um, kind of um, a pesto, a kale pesto with a lot of olive oil. What else did I freeze? I also, uh, did some applesauce. I froze uh, chunks of, of, uh, raw. Pears and plums to add to smoothies this winter. I also did some tomato sauce that I froze for later. I I mean, it's 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 a lot of fun. It does take a bit more time and um, a bit more of a financial investment, but I think I'm going to be so happy this winter, especially up here in Canada. It's good too. I mean, all of our vegetables come from california or mexico in the winter um so i like buying local as much as possible and it's just it tastes better when it's fresh and even frozen you can capture all those nutrients and um the taste also so i'm excited to be trying those later this winter and i hope um yeah i i, I think that it will help me save money when grocery shopping later this winter and also time when uh, prepping um or cooking because I'll have some vegetables that are easy to add to my meals. So who doesn't want that? (laughs) So I'm curious to hear if any of you are freezing any uh, vegetables or even it could be whole dishes that you use your freezer for that kind of purpose. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, So please uh, don't forget that you can be in touch with us by going to our website, realfoodmamaspodcast.com or search for our, our Facebook page, Real Food Mamas. So I'm hoping to hear from you there. And on a side note, um, well, you know that my interest and expertise has been mostly in digestive health and I love everything, uh, about digestion. Uh I I really uh happy talking about poop with my clients and I think that uh health really starts in the gut. So I love helping people improving their digestive health by improving their food choices and other lifestyle factors uh which includes stress and and sleep and and uh, you know your water intake and and just so many other things that that goes with that. But um, lately, I've been uh, feeling like I, I need. Um, I, I I just feel like my heart is calling me in another direction. I will still always be passionate about digestive health and still working with clients around those issues. But uh, just supposed to just so you you know, I'll be taking a bit of a different directions. Um, probably this fall or early two thousand and seventeen. I, 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 you know, it's not that I want to tease you with anything. I still don't know exactly what it would look like, but I want to take, um, a step, uh, toward working more with, I don't know, with issues that are really dear and near to my heart about how, uh, women, uh, Deal uh, with their relationship with food and body image. So that's really where my heart is right now. And I'll be sharing more of that in the next. Um, weeks and months on the podcast and you can also find out more, uh, on my social media platforms on Facebook or Instagram where I'll be also sharing some of these, uh, new, uh, exciting things that I'll be working about. But this is something that, uh, you know, I haven't shared really, but, um, I've had, you know, I'm a dietitian. I've been a registered dietitian for over 10 years, but I've also had a very unhealthy relationship with food for more than, 20 years. That's one of the reasons why I decided to study nutrition, because I thought that, you know, it would give me the answer I needed to finally have a healthier relationship with food and get at a certain body weight that would make everything else in my life be better and perfect and all of that. I'm sure that many of you can relate to um, to those kind of feelings and, and thoughts and, and beliefs. And um, this is something that I've been trying to hide. Uh, and kept in the dark, uh, but now I'm, I've done a lot of, of, you know, I've, I've come a long way on my healing journey, both physically and more recently, especially at the emotional and, and mental and even spiritual levels. So I feel ready to talk more about that. And it just feels like this is what I need to talk more about because no matter what kind of uh, health issues I see people deal with, uh, whether they're my clients or people around me or everywhere else in the world. It seems that there are so many of us struggling with how we relate to food, how we see food as being good or bad, and looking at food uh, for its calories, nutrients, and then putting uh, a lot of our identity even on the type of food we eat how much we eat and what kind of diet we associate with and i've been guilty of that i've been vegetarian have been on the paleo diet have been on low carb i've been on, on and so many others i don't want to name them all but yes it's so easy to get a sense of belonging and kind of associate with a, a way to eat and then put all of your thoughts every minute and second of the day are about food and how you look and your weight and that's just something that I've been able to grow out of a bit more in uh, the last months and um well I'd say a, a bit uh, in the last years uh, so I want to share more about that and raise more awareness around that topic. So it's not, it doesn't come from a place of shame and is not such a taboo anymore. And I just want to empower more women to feel more confident with, with their body and whole Self, really, because I think that's where it, it can stem from many times. So yeah, I'm just excited to share a bit more about that. Again, I don't know exactly how it will look like, but I just really feel that's, that's where I need to go. That's where I'm, I'm called in a way, I could say. So stay tuned to hear more about that. I hope that's a topic that's of interest to you. I know many mom, many women are dealing with that. So. I'll be talking more and more about that in the near future. Um, but for today, we'll be talking about high-risk pregnancies, as I've said before, and I'll be sharing my interview with Perijat Deshpande. I'll read you her bio. So Perijat Deshpande is the leading perinatal wellness expert who specializes in working with women during a high-risk pregnancy. She educates and guides women on how to manage their stress and anxiety so they can have healthier pregnancies, decrease their risk of preterm birth, and give their Baby, a healthy start to life. Perjad is a clinically trained therapist, a women's wellness expert, and an experienced speaker on the impact of stress and on health and wellness. She has over four years of experience as a psychology lecturer at UC Berkeley, and is the founder of My Shah uh, Sahana. Sorry if I'm not pronouncing it right. A South Asian mental health nonprofit. Parijat is also a certified wellness coach, a certified stress management coach, and a certified marriage educator. So without further ado, let's get started with our interview. All right. So welcome, Parijat Despande. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I think you have a really important message to share, and I'm I'm, I'm really thrilled uh, to have this conversation with you. And first of all, I'm really curious to know more about your story and why you're so passionate about the topic of high-risk pregnancy. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Absolutely. So I was um, I'm a clinically
1: trained therapist, and I was working as a therapist and teaching psychology courses at a university nearby, and I was really happy doing what I was doing and, um, but I was always interested in women's health. And so whenever I could bring that into my therapy practice, I would. And then a few years ago, I got pregnant and I had a very, very complicated pregnancy. From the very beginning, there was just complications and health issues that came up for me. And it ended up being a total of eight different complications over my pregnancy. And I was on, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. And I was on bed rest for 16 weeks at home and 15 days in the hospital. And I ended up delivering my son really early. He was born at 24 weeks and five days. And when I was going through all of this, you know, when I was put on bed rest, when I was six weeks pregnant, my entire world stopped. You know, my doctor Mm -hmm. basically said, if you want to do everything you can to stay pregnant, you have to stop working. You have to turn everything off and you need to go on bed rest at home. Mm -hmm. And... It was so hard, you know, for somebody who was—I used to be so active and I loved doing a lot and being out and being social—and just the entire world just stopped for me. And mm-hmm. as I progressed in my pregnancy and developed more and more complications, I remember thinking, you know, okay, because I'm a professional, um, you know, in the ther- as a therapist and as a women's wellness expert, I know that managing my emotions and my overall wellness not just my physical health is really important for my pregnancy but where do I find that support so I started looking through all my resources through all my contacts and I couldn't find anyone who knew how to support somebody specifically on bed rest and specifically during a high-risk pregnancy and I was really shocked and I was really frustrated by that because this was such a difficult time to go through so more so much more difficult than most people even realize and all you know all the what ifs all the uncertainties and just living with that uncertainty every second of every day is mm-hmm. so so difficult it really takes an emotional toll on you mm-hmm. so towards the end of my pregnancy um I was in the hospital and I remember thinking that if we survive this to go home and we get to be a family together at home, I have to change my career. I can't stand the fact that one more woman would have to go through a high risk pregnancy trying to figure it out on her own, trying to get, you know, understand what the medical complications mean and what she has to do and how to ask questions and how does she cope with it all? I mean, it's all way, way too much to be doing all on your own. Even if you're surrounded by amazing friends and family, it's so much easier to have someone in your corner who knows how you can make small but powerful changes in your life that are going to help you have a healthier pregnancy and stay pregnant as long as possible, and so that's what I I, I made it a point to to do that. And my son, we're so lucky; he did come home to us after mm-hmm. 109 days in the NICU. And you know, after a couple years had passed, I thought, okay, you know, now's the time to really make good on that honor on that vow that i made to him and to myself that it's time to come back and help these women who are going through exactly what i've been through and i know what they're going through so and i know that i can help them so that's how i'm here today
0: oh, wow i just have chills listening <laughs> to your story it you really you know we know it comes from your heart and oh my god I'm i'm so I, i'm you know i know that you can do so much good in this world and how old Thank is your you. son now he
1: is three now
0: Okay, that's good. So, oh my God, I, yeah, I mean, pregnancy can be a, a time where you kind of lose control, even if everything is going well, right. I, like in my case, and can be pretty stressful, just because you you, you you don't always know what's going on. And there's just so many questioning and things changing in your life. But, and then you add, you know, uh different complications to that. And I, I just cannot imagine how stressful it could be to to be li- living in uncertainty every second of your pregnancy. That that's really hard. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and your son was born at twenty four weeks and five days. That's right. Wow. And and how uh, wh- what how what was his weight at that when, when he was he born? was
1: born? He weighed six hundred five grams or one pound five ounces.
0: Whoa, that's so little yeah, so little. very tiny
1: very tiny mm-hmm. and he's a healthy little boy today he's doing so great if you saw him mm-hmm. you'd never
0: know it's mm-hmm. it's just mind-blowing oh I'm so happy for that <laughs> okay so let's share more about your tips of how to to help uh, women that are in the same situation as you were like um do you have like your top three mistake that women with a high-risk pregnancy make or something like that?
1: Yeah. So um, we can, you know, one of the things that I think women forget about during their high-risk pregnancy is that your doctor is not the expert on your body. You are the expert on your body. And so you have to remember that your doctor can only help you as much as you share with them about what's going on. And because of that, it's really important that you manage that stress and anxiety so you can tune that anxiety out and tune into what your body is telling you and if something is you something your body is telling you hey this doesn't feel right something's happening to then trust that because your body is always communicating with you and is always telling you what it needs and it's your job to either figure that out or to convey that to your doctor so you can figure it out together and then give your body body what you need so you can continue to stay pregnant and have
0: a healthier pregnancy while you're fighting for your baby. Mm. And, and just about that do you find that it's difficult for some women to trust their body because I can imagine that some of them might feel betrayed or it's hard to trust it?
1: Absolutely. Yes. I mean there's definitely that's a great word. There it's there's a lot of betrayed Betrayal, that feeling of, you know, I, you're supposed to be keeping my baby pregnant. What's going on? You know, Mm -hmm. there's that split almost of, you know, I'm, am I my body or am I separate from my body? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of women, they really take that on, internalize it and start feeling guilty that I'm not protecting my baby. I'm failing my baby. And that continues to really add on to the stress that you're already going through. And it can really plummet your mood especially if you're on bed rest and you're not moving very much that extra sense of guilt it just adds on to the helplessness and can be really difficult to cope with and that's why so many times when I work with women I um one of the first things that we do is learn how to listen to your body because regardless of any kind of judgment that you're putting on it, your body's talking to you. And it's now more than ever, it's really important to pay attention to that so you can get the care that you and your baby
0: deserve. Mm-hmm. So it can be done, but there's a – uh it's important to get the help and and, and, and learn how to be and listen to your body again.
1: Exactly, exactly. And a lot of it is really about tuning out the anxiety because anxiety mm. is loud. You know, anxiety is that voice in your head that's screaming at you. Oh my God, something's wrong. Ah. <laughs> and, and it's loud and it takes away a lot of attention from anything else that's going on. That's why it's difficult for you to remember what your doctor said when you're anxious in your exam room. That's why it's difficult to make confident medical decisions because you can't weigh all the pros and cons you know and and that's why it's difficult to listen to what your body is saying because that anxiety is a very loud sound but your body and your you can call it your body your instincts your gut whatever you want to call it it's a very quiet voice it's a voice that speaks very matter-of-factly it's a voice that's calm um, Almost like I like to describe it as how you hear people sharing the news. If you watch the news or you listen to it, it's very matter of fact. It's very straight. You know, there's no alarm bells or emergency anything um, because that's how it gets our attention. But you can only hear that if that loud emergency bells anxiety is quiet and it's mm-hmm. totally possible to do that but that's one of that's why it's one of the first things that I work with my women on is to teach them how to do
0: that yeah it's so important so that's yeah, so that would be like the first thing, the first mistake that some women make uh to 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 put out of their trust in their um, medical team and forget to listen about uh, to their own body. Absolutely. So do you have uh, yeah. What other mistakes do you see many women make? I
1: think the other mistake is also it's kind of related to that, which is mm-hmm. assuming that your doctor is giving you all of the information that you need. Now that's not to say your doctor is this evil person who's <laughs> withholding information. It's not like that, but your doctor only has a certain amount of time with you and especially here in the states you know that's a really big issue with how quickly patients are in and out of the room and especially when you've got complications and you're pregnant you want to spend a lot of time with your doctor to really get all your questions answered you might not have that opportunity and so what the doctor typically does is they weigh the pros and cons in their own head about what are possible treatment options for you or what are possible medication outcomes or what are options for you and then they present like their top two or top three that they've Mm -hmm. already filtered out, which is great because they don't want to overwhelm you with a lot of information. But if what they're recommending is not in line with your values is not in line with um, something that you are wishing for for your pregnancy, or if it just doesn't feel right to you, then a lot of times women end up saying yes to a treatment that they don't actually want. And that's a really big issue because you don't want to have any kind of regret or feeling of discomfort or uneasiness during a pregnancy that's already so complicated and so stressful. So what I like to encourage women to remember is that If your doctor is suggesting something that doesn't feel right to you, it is your responsibility to speak up. Either you question your doctor and ask them to come up with something else. Maybe they have something in mind they just didn't share with you for whatever reason, Or if they don't know anything else beyond what they've suggested, you need to get a second opinion and you need to keep getting second opinions until you find a doctor who's suggesting something that feels right to you in your body, that you understand fully as a really reasonable option for you to manage your pregnancy complications. Now, you don't have to be a doctor yourself to understand or to know what that is because if you're in line with your values, you know what you believe in. For example, some couples know they would never terminate a child. They would never terminate a pregnancy. Um, Excuse me. They'd never terminate a pregnancy. And um, and then if that's what keeps coming up for your doctor, you know, that you know that you need to speak with somebody else who might have another option. Another example is some couples don't want any kind of invasive treatment during their pregnancy whatsoever, and they would never even consider it. So those are the kinds of things you need to convey to your doctor. And if you aren't getting recommendations that are in line with those values, you need to go find another doctor and convey those values to them and see if they have any other options for you too.
0: Yeah, that's so important. I mean, a doctor can be part of, of your, of your team, but it's not like the boss telling you what to do. And yeah, it's important to, to, to take charge. And again, it goes back to listening to your body and intuition with all of that.
1: Exactly. And I think mm-hmm. you really hit it on the head that your, your doctor is not the boss. Absolutely. <laughs> you are the boss of your body. And you get to decide what happens. What's important is you need to be informed about what your options are. And that's where your doctor comes in. They're the expert on managing a high-risk pregnancy medically. So get all the information that you can. Don't get it from Google because they're not (laughs) your doctor. Get Make a list of all of your questions and take them to your treating physician and get all of the information you possibly can. And from there, you can make a decision that's going to be right for your body
0: for your pregnancy and for your family. Great. That's a good one. And um are we at three already or was there? Another, I don't know. I'm not keeping. But yes, I think that that yeah that speaks a lot to um some of the common mistakes that women can make during a high risk pregnancy. And because you talk a lot about uh, the importance of emotional and mental health, can you tell us a bit more how it can impact the baby's development and the whole pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the things that we
1: tend to forget is how closely tied our emotional health, our overall wellness is to our physical health. You know, managing a pregnancy just medically or physically is only taking care of your pregnancy on one level. And there's so many other levels that are so important. And where you know where i come from the impact of stress anxiety and depression is so profound on pregnancy and for baby's development that i it's i i feel like it's just as important as managing your pregnancy medically by seeing your doctor for prenatal care so i think it's just it's mm-hmm. is equally important the stress that you feel and we're not talking about just day to day stress. You know, everybody has that and that's normal. But we're talking about the kind of stress that's impacting your life. So it's the type of stress that goes on for days and days and you don't find any reprieve. It shows up as you can't think straight. Your mind is constantly going. You have a hard time falling asleep because you can't quiet your mind. Um, it's the kind of stress that impacts how you eat it affects your mood and it just goes it's a high level of stress for days and days at a time that level of stress can show up in your body in a variety of different ways and one of the biggest ways is as preterm contractions i can't begin to tell you how often i get Calls and emails from moms going, we can't control my contractions. I don't know what to do. And as soon as they start managing their stress properly, those contractions stop. Wow. Yeah, it has a really profound effect on your pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, the, the reality is that your baby is part of your body while you're pregnant. And so whatever happens in your body, your baby feels it. Now, humans are amazing in that we're very resilient. And so one day here or there, if you have a really stressful day is not a big deal. But if you have high levels of stress for an extended period of time, there's a lot of research that shows that that level of stress actually impacts babies neurological, physical, and emotional development. Babies who are born to women who are highly stressed during pregnancy tend to be much smaller. They're at high risk for being low birth weight. They're at high risk of being delivered early, and there's some research that shows that after that baby's born, there's a significant association with maternal stress during pregnancy, and babies who are difficult to soothe, have trouble falling asleep, have Frequent temper tantrums, um, and so it really does set the stage for your baby's development. I think one of the most profound ways is to is to realize that your stress levels can actually change the blood flow to your baby. So we're talking, oh. you know, I mean, this is really <laughs> serious stuff. We need to really take it seriously when it comes to managing a healthy pregnancy and um, how to do that.
0: But that's awesome. I mean, I I can't imagine. Like, it, it, this is huge because if you can own. Only- only, you know, allow the pregnancy to last just a few days or weeks uh, more uh, by managing the stress and preventing preterm contractions. This is a huge impact on the baby, right? Exactly,
1: and, uh, exactly. Um, and that's, that's the thing about all of this is what I like to tell moms is if you're going to have a risk factor for preterm birth, you want stress to be it because you can control stress. That is completely in your hands. And when you manage it, You do wonders for your pregnancy Mm. and for your baby. Your baby can feel it when you're able to be at peace, feel calmer, and feel happier. Your baby does feel it, and it translates into your baby's development, which is completely in your control. You absolutely
0: can do it. Wow, I can feel in your voice like how empowering it it can be to to see stress as something that is that you can control yeah. and as soon as you manage it the baby can feel it you can feel it and everything. You know, it, 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 the impact is pretty huge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so what kind of um, what are your favorite strategies to help women better cope with their emotions and stress during pregnancy? You mentioned those emails and calls you get from from women getting preterm contractions. So do you have any kind of concrete and practical tips to help women better deal with stress? I
1: do. The very first step that I tell women to take is my favorite tip, which is to make sure that you laugh two to three times a day. Oh, I like that. Yes, it's free, (laughs) it's easy, you always have access to it. And laughter is actually one of the most potent stress-relieving activities you can possibly do. It's the way that it works on your body is so impactful, it's so amazing that you can actually completely reverse the the negative impacts of stress by laughing frequently enough and we're not just talking about a quick little chuckle here or there I'm talking something that really you find funny that you know from your belly you're just cracking up the tears are coming down your face that kind of laughter so so good for your stress so good for your health and your baby and um, you can do it as many times as you want and it's easy to do. And well,
0: how you do you do it do you if you force it is it as good as if it comes from you know watching something funny? you know that's
1: a great question there's a whole movement actually of laughter yoga uh of, and mm-hmm. laughter therapy about this which is it really doesn't matter because even if you force a laughter at some point you're going to end up actually laughing either you're laughing mm-hmm. at yourself because of how silly you feel or it just triggers a true laugh response. But either way, if it's that, or you find funny videos, you watch a funny movie, you read jokes, it doesn't matter. Just find a way to genuinely laugh two to three times a day.
0: All right. So, laughing. Yes. I love that. What else? <laughs> Another
1: one uh, that I really like is to um, remember that you're going through a really hard time. And so, now is not the time to. Deprive yourself of things. So really indulge in whatever it is that you want that's going to truly make you happy. So if you're really craving a treat, go Go buy it or ask somebody to make it. If you want, really want to go shopping, but you're on bed rest, see if you can find a way to do it online. If you're craving like intimacy with your partner or you're missing your friends, then find a way to make that happen. Or if you don't have the capacity to actually plan all of that, ask for help and say, Hey, I'm missing you guys right now. Can we all get together at my place for dinner? You guys bring the food. I'll be on the sofa. Let's all sit and chat and really mm-hmm. reach out but do what it, your body and your mind is asking for because again now is not the time to deprive yourself you're under so much stress it's possibly impacting your mood so anything you can do that's going to give you just a few moments of pleasure that you're going to enjoy a little just a little bit of experience of that happiness and joy do it
0: don't even question mm-hmm. it just do it that's a good prescription too i <laughs> like that <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I, I remember reading on your blog somewhere that you mentioned that self-help tools can actually increase anxiety. Like, do you mean uh, by self-help tools, like things like there are many meditation apps or uh, do you find those things can be helpful at managing stress or can they backfire? You know, it's a double-edged
1: sword. On the one hand, I think it's fantastic because you've got the support right at your fingertips wherever you are and that's that's great. You know, I think it gives people a lot more access to stress-relieving tools than we ever had before and that's giving you a head start on how to bring that stress down. The problem with these kinds of meditation apps or these downloadables that you can get online is that number one they're rarely specific to high-risk pregnancies. And though the stress response in your body is the same no matter what the cause of stress is, the the trigger point is often not addressed. And so you're basically, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a, a, a something where you need, mm-hmm. you know, deeper support. Right. And the second thing is it, you can set up a system of reliance on it that I can only feel calmer if I listen to this one mm. audio or something. And... And what ends up happening is if you don't have it with you, you haven't actually internalized, many people haven't actually internalized the true way to calm yourself down because you've become reliant on that particular app. Now, that's not to say that it doesn't work. It does work. And if that's the only thing you have available, absolutely go for it and use it. But if you're looking for long-term, deeper support on actually how to manage your stress for The long term and on a deeper level, then the apps aren't going to be the way to do that. It's not going to help you. It's just, it's again, it's a band-aid for a much deeper issue that you can address. There's, it's absolutely possible, but it takes more customized support than an online resource can provide.
0: Yeah that that makes a lot of sense. I hadn't thought of it this way. It's you know I agree that it's a a big step in the right direction, but if you really want to empower uh women, I think that uh yeah, you need to 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 go deeper than that as you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I also, you know, you have uh, some really uh interesting uh bl- blog posts and one of them was about forgetting about self-care activities so i would like to know more about what you say about that because uh stephanie my co-host and me we oft often talk about the importance of self-care in our um in in our you know routines uh so i want to know what's your opinion about that <laughs>
1: sure absolutely <laughs> so self-care is it, it can become It almost feels like a buzzword sometimes. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of women, especially who are going through a high-risk pregnancy or on bed rest or even have a baby in the NICU, they hear self-care and they cringe. They go, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to do that when I have all these other very realistic hurdles that I'm trying to get over, that I'm trying to cope with? You know, taking care of myself seems so far down the list. It's not (laughs) practical. And to that, I say, I completely understand, you know, the way that you are, what you're going through right now is a trauma and you're literally in a fight or flight response and you're fighting for your baby's life. And in that situation, if you imagine it like as if you were fighting off a tiger or a bear, which is the same reaction you'd have in your body, Mm -hmm. taking care of yourself by drinking water or eating well (laughs) is the last thing that's going to be on your mind. So what I propose in that particular blog post and kind of what I do with my moms in general is don't call it self-care. Don't think of it Mm. that way because I understand that you're not going to be able to put yourself first because that's not how we are built. We're built to protect our children first. And right now your child's life is in danger and you're protecting your child. But what you want to remember is that your child needs you to lower your stress. Your baby needs you to feel less anxious and to lift your mood because all of those things are impacting your baby's health and development too. So instead of thinking about it as I'm taking care of myself, think of it as what it really is, which is you're taking care of your baby. You're giving your baby a healthy start to life by eating well, by sleeping enough so you lower your risk of delivering early, by lowering your stress so you, you reduce your risk of preterm labor. All of that directly impacts your baby and is exactly in line with what your body is telling you to do, mm. which is to fight for this little life that you're growing inside of you
0: hmm It's just looking at it uh, from another perspective, another angle. So it, it, it doesn't feel like um, something selfish to do, right? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I love it. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, I, I can imagine a high-risk pregnancy can be a pretty lonely and, and scary experience. Do you truly believe that it's possible for women with high-risk pregnancy to really enjoy their pregnancy and, and, and you know, have... You know, make the most of it. Absolutely, absolutely, yes, I really okay. do.
1: And and I I say that by recognizing that if your pregnancy is not going to look the way that you had hoped, it already mm-hmm. doesn't because you have a pregnancy complication or because you're on bed rest, and and so that is already there. And to acknowledge that and really sit with what that means for you is absolutely important to do but that doesn't mean that it can it needs to take away from whatever else you can experience so maybe you don't get to do a maternity photo shoot or maybe you don't get a baby shower but how you feel in each and every moment are you able to enjoy the first time you feel your baby kick are you able to enjoy the first time your partner gets to feel your baby kick? (laughs) though are you able to enjoy when you hear the heartbeat every time you go Those are things that I believe are absolutely possible and it starts with really acknowledging the loss of having a healthy pregnancy and and it's okay to feel sad about that. It's okay to feel angry about it or to feel resentful about it and to work through those emotions so that when those really precious, beautiful moments happen, you're fully present for them regardless of what else is going on around you.
0: So, uh, yeah, I can imagine there's a a grieving process that is important to acknowledge and then that brings you to accepting things as they are. So you can, yeah, better be in the present moment, right? Exactly. That's kind of part of the process. Yeah, Mm. yeah. That makes sense. Okay. And do you have any specific tips? Because I imagine for women... Dealing with infertility in the past, or experiencing a high risk uh, pregnancy, that it can be pretty stressful uh, to go to medical appointments, or have ultrasounds, or any kind of procedures like that, or testing, and all of these. So, do you have any tips for them when they feel anxious about about those kind of uh, things?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's really important when you are going to appointments that you keep your anxiety low because you don't want any kind of false readings of your blood pressure mm. or your pulse or anything, and that to send. And set alarms for something else that may not actually be anything other than anxiety. So – and on top of that, it's really important that you manage your anxiety when you're seeing your doctor because then you can remember what they're saying. You – your brain – our brains are not made to be anxious and retain information at the same time. So if you've ever had an appointment – Where you go, you're feeling nervous about it, you go in, you listen to the doctor, you're pretty sure you remember what they're saying, and by the time you get to the car, you've forgotten half the things that they've said to Mm -hmm. you, right? That's because of anxiety. And so for those couple of reasons, it's really important that you manage that anxiety One of the ways that I recommend doing that is to prepare for your appointment first. And I I walk my women, my moms, through a process Mm -hmm. on exactly how to do that beforehand in terms of collecting your thoughts and making sure you have all your questions written down. And you whatever research you've done that you have it all in one place, you bring it to your doctor. Once you're in the waiting room, it's really important that you stay centered and present. And especially when you have a long wait, that can be really hard to Mm. do. I totally recognize that. And so one of my favorite tips on how to keep your anxiety low while you're in the waiting room is to play a little fun game with yourself, which is to find all the colors of the rainbow when you're sitting in the waiting room. <laughs> and the first set might be really easy to find. So then do another one and do another one and keep going until you find as many rainbows as you possibly can. Because what that does is it actually relieves the anxiety in your brain by using a different part of your brain that um, gives you that reprieve from your from your anxiety once you're in the room take some really deep breaths keep reminding yourself that you're okay remind yourself of where you are Um, try to stay present in in the physical room itself you know kind of look around and make a note of what you're seeing because that anxiety is pushing you into the what-ifs and to what's going to happen it's pushing you to the future so you want to bring yourself back to the present and and when you're there it's totally okay to tell your doctor, I'm really nervous about being here. And when you say that, your doctor will be extra mindful about how they talk to you and what they share with you. And they'll be even more open to repeating information just to make sure that you understand and you remember it when you go home.
0: Those are really great tips. And I love the rainbow kind of game because you're turning, you know, a wait time and, you know, we can say, try to deep, Breathe, to breathe deeply and, you know, just focus on your breath and things like that, but it can be really hard to do, Absolutely. especially when you're anxious. <laughs> so having something to do, uh, to keep you busy in your mind, I think is, is a, a good way to, to, to make it easier to focus, to to bring your focus and attention to something else and while making it fun at the same time. And I can imagine it's, it's, it's probably calming to look at the colors and, and just, um, is it more the right part of the brain that's, that's working when you're doing something like that? Or I don't know. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's a part of the
1: brain that actually cannot function very well when you're anxious. Um. And, and so it's, you're basically, if you imagine a train, you're literally switching tracks and mm-hmm. having the train go on a different track and it, it gives that, it gives you just the much needed reprieve and rest to kind of reset from the anxiety that you've been feeling and it ends up turning into a game. You'll see, you, you'll find one or two rainbows and, and you, st- you start having fun with it. You start kind of challenging yourself going, okay, where's another one? Where's another one? And, but before you know it, minutes and minutes have gone by and, um, and then you'll be called back into the office. I, and the, all the tips that I suggest are ones that I did myself and mm-hmm. and so i can say you know this was really truly one of my favorites because it killed a lot of time
0: <laughs> Well, it's a really really smart uh, way to turn things around and and yeah feel more in control and and just yeah focus on something else i love it <laughs> and what what's your opinion of about um on meditation that's another buzzword and yeah. you know uh, everybody seems to be recommending meditation these days do you think that it's helpful or can it can it can, can it be sometimes i feel like it brings more anxiety because people feel like they're not doing it right and they they they, they feel like it's hard to take the time to do it and all of that right i'm so glad you asked Mm -hmm. this i think as with
1: any tips that you might see online or you hear from me or you hear from anybody else it's only as good as you make it out to be and so if you are trying it you're doing the absolute best that you can and you've noticed that it's causing you extra anxiety don't do it it's not worth it um But if you notice that you're doing it and it's you're feeling calmer and you're feeling more relaxed in your body and you're getting that rest that you need from your anxiety, then absolutely keep doing it. It's a wonderful tool to use, especially when you're stressed and anxious, and it can have a lot of powerful, positive impact on your pregnancy
0: as well. Mhm. Okay. That's a really good way to to decide whether it's 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 a good fit for us or not. It it doesn't have to, you know, we don't all have to be meditating. <laughs> hours a day to be be healthy emotionally and mentally. That's good to hear. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And um, because you have a pretty intimate experience with bed rest, and my my God, I I just cannot imagine 18 weeks in total, pretty much, that you were on bed rest. I, I... and, uh, and you know, you told us a little bit about your personality, and you, you, you probably went crazy at least at first. Uh, until uh, so, do you have any tips for women going through a similar experience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I did go crazy, and I know many, many women. <laughs> I would have
0: gone too. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: not easy. Absolutely. The first thing that I I say is expect the first two weeks to be hard. The first two weeks are by far the hardest until you get used to this new norm and you really just succumb and kind of let yourself accept that, okay, this we're in this for the long road. This is how it's going to be. Um, one of the things that I really recommend women on bed rest to do is to keep a schedule. You know, Just like you would when you were going to work or if you were involved with the rest of the family and getting everybody out the door, you really want to make sure that you still have a schedule even though you're maybe moving from your bed to your sofa and back to your bed all day and that's all you do (laughs) so keep a certain set of times for when you have your meals when you take your naps when you watch movies when you call your friends or when you do other activities or if you are able to work on bed rest some some women are you know what are your work hours and just keep a really regular schedule so you don't get sucked into that feeling of days and nights kind of blurring into each other and everybody everything just feels the same The other thing I really encourage women to do is to do something with your hands. I I remember um, when I first went on bed rest, I I resisted it so hard. I was so used to being busy and running around and just sitting around doing nothing was just not something that I ever did. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe this is a good time for me to catch up on all the movies that I've always wanted to watch. (laughs) And that was great for a few days, maybe a couple weeks. And then I just... Felt terrible thinking that by the end of the day, all I had to show for the day was a list of movies that I watched. Mm-hmm. And so I, I start. I actually taught myself to crochet, which, if you know me at all, I'm the most uncoordinated crocheting <laughs> person <laughs> ever. <laughs> and I, I actually made a blanket for my son that ended up being in the shape of a trapezoid because I couldn't get the. <laughs> <laughs> <right today. laughs> so we brought him home That's in so that funny. blanket, so it worked. But it was really good for me emotionally. And this is why I share this with my moms is it's really good for you emotionally to see progress in something that you're working on. You know, you know that you're sitting on bed rest and you're making these sacrifices for your baby's health, but you can't see your baby growing. So you can't see Mm -hmm. what bed rest today did for your baby, right? But if you're working with something on your, with your hands, you can actually see, oh, I made a new blanket. I made a hat. I colored, you know, these many things, or I made these many Drawings, whatever it is that you
0: can do with your hands to show that really helps with your mood. I love, yeah, that it's making it more concrete, that the the part that you cannot see what's happening with the baby, you can have a a creative and and concrete way of seeing uh, it unfolding in your own life. Absolutely. That's that's really good. So uh, uh, coloring books, I guess, could be another idea or uh, knitting and uh, any other, is there any other things that you see women uh Get into and and learning how to do. You know, I had a
1: woman that I met who took up sculpting while she was on course. I thought that was so creative. <laughs> wow. Um, something that I would love to do, even though I'm not on bed rest, but I'd love to try that now. But I thought it was a really great idea. Just kind of works in a similar way and she really enjoyed it.
0: That's really cool. So there are really no, yeah, I mean, there are some limits, but really, um, not that many. i mean you, 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 there's still a lot of room for making things fun and and add uh, creativity to to the bed rest exactly yes okay okay well those are all really really good tips i uh, that's amazing i never you know uh, because my pregnancy was pretty normal uh you don't really get to think about all of these things but i think that so do you have any idea of what the statistics are on you know, the percentage of women going through a high-risk pregnancy? I read somewhere that it was about
1: 10% of pregnancies, so approximately 600,000 women per year in the United okay. States have a high-risk pregnancy. And I think that number is rising because women are waiting to get pregnant longer, which automatically mm-hmm. makes them high-risk. That makes sense. And more and more yes. women are getting pregnant with fertility treatment, and whatever their mm-hmm. underlying medical condition is that required that treatment can also put them at risk for pregnancy complications. So I think that number is that might be, even be a little higher than that.
0: Wow, that's a really really high number. It is, yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right. So, where can we find more about you? And uh, I think you provide at. Um, direct coaching support to women going through high risk pregnancy and needing more support. So, how can we uh where can we find you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I do work with women and their partners one-on-one and I provide overall wellness support as well as patient advocacy support to help you be the best advocate you can be for your baby and for yourself. So you can find me on my website at com, And there's links to all my social media sites there. I've got a blog and, uh, you can just shoot me an email if you'd like to know a little bit more.
0: Perfect. And I'll put the links to, uh, your website and social media in the show notes as well. Um, and, uh, Yeah, that's that's really, really great. Is there any last nugget of information you want to share with our listeners today? I The last thing I think that comes to mind is that you really do
1: have a lot more power than you realize on having a healthy pregnancy and protecting your baby. I know how hard it is to remember that when you have pregnancy complications and you're worried and you're stressed and you're scared. I know that so well, but just take it one day, one step at a time, reach out for support when you need it, but you can get through this.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Those words are really good to hear, no matter what kind of situation we're in, whether it's a high-risk pregnancy or any kind of other stress in our lives, really. So thank you for that. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, yes. Have a wonderful rest of your day and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Sounds great. So this is it. Please remember that the views on this podcast and website are not meant to be substituted for medical advice, shouldn't be used to diagnose, treat, or cure any conditions, and are intended for general information purposes only.
1: And thank you for listening to Real Food Mamas. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast to help us spread the real food word. We also invite you to visit our website, realfoodmamaspodcast.com, and our new Facebook page, Real Food Mamas, to find past episodes, leave comments, and ask questions for future shows. Remember, we're also on iTunes and Stitcher. Now go on, have a good day, and nourish and nurture you and your family.